Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night, or better yet, Hockey Afternoon in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Saturday, February 11, 2023, coming at you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Uh, a happy-go-lucky show coming up for you tonight <laughs> after today's result. Stefan Rosner is with me here. I'm Sean Cuthbert. Very excited to talk to Anna Dua, NHL fantasy editor and host. She's going to help us out a little bit later. Looking forward to that. Stefan, uh, we had the, the viewing party earlier. Uh, it was a lot of fun, despite the unfortunate result. We had Donnie Bagels join us. Edzo was over there with us. Mikey Carver from yeah. ILC Podcast. Christian had an making a, <laughs> He did. Didn't say much, but he was here in spirit. But, yeah, Mikey from ILC Podcast. Good time today, despite the Islanders not making it a great time. Stefan, how are you? Uh, I'm fantastic. That, obviously, Blue Line Bagel and Deli, to, to eat that food is just always a pleasure. And uh, Yes, yeah. catered by the great man Donnie over Blue Line. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately, you watched a similar game to what Thursday was. So, uh, yeah. Well, at least they got a point this time. And we had bagels. And, and we, had, food, bag- well, we yeah. had bagel food. We yeah. had bagel food. Yeah, yeah so folks, uh, if you hung out with us earlier today, really appreciate it. We had a good time. Uh, if you dug what we did today with the little watch along, we're, we're, we're definitely looking to do that in the future, so let us know. Hope you had a good time. We did, despite the result. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to fire it up here and just talk about a little bit of reality here for the New York Islanders. But before we do, I want to remind you all that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. That is the flagship location. Also, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont Park. A big, big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. And want to update you guys, we have a plethora of events coming up at Lost Farmer Brewery, starting with Saturday, February 18th. They will be going into Boston for a 5 o'clock tilt. Old pal of the show, Tony Stabile, going to be joining me for that. Going to have a nice little pregame show at 4 o'clock for Puck Drop at 5. Always a good time at Lost Farmer. Always a good time with the viewing parties. Then, Wednesday, the 22nd, Islanders going into... uh, Sorry, actually, Winnipeg is coming to town that night. So if you can't make it to UBS Arena, we're going to be hanging out again for a viewing party at Lost Farmer. And we're going to put a different little spin on it. We're going to have Islanders Trivia Night. During the game, during the intermissions, before and after, going to have prizes, raffles and stuff. Going to be a lot of fun. Me and uh, Mikey on the couch are going to be doing that. Going to be a lot of fun. And then the following weekend, the 26th, they will be in Winnipeg. We're going to be raising money there. Great, great... Great uh, cause there. It's going to be a fundraiser. We're going to have a pregame show. Stefan Rosner will be with me for that. That is a 3.30 start. That is what, Saturday? That's Sunday, isn't Sunday, it? Sunday, yeah. That is Sunday, 3.30 game start. We're going to get the pregame show going at 2.30. So a lot of fun things happen at Lost Farmer. And then, of course, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. More on them later. So, Stefan, what happened today, man? Again, it's another <laughs> game where... Didn't seem like there was a huge push at points of this game. Again, yeah. down their score, they have a lead going to the third, a second straight game. They've blown a third period lead. Just, again, defensively, you got too many of the opponents in front, and that's not, again, Varlamov had a pretty strong effort today. He did. Uh, which is what you needed. Can't blame after, anything on him today. Yeah, which is what you needed after Sorokin was a bit shaky in that game on Thursday. You you got the goaltending, you got the goals, and then you just you have to find where to bear down. I know Lambert, after the game, said, 
on a personal level, individual level, someone's got to step up and, and, and win a battle. And again, you just didn't get that. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because you get a little hope with the two games before the before the break, the yep. games against Detroit and Vegas. They looked like they were more defensively responsible. They were able to clamp down those games a little bit and hang on to leads and win those games. They come back from a long break, obviously rejuvenated with Bo Horvat coming in, yeah. and they look very similar. In fact, they, they play a good game against Philadelphia, another low-scoring game, another non-three-goal game, but they're able to stick it out. And then what might have been, at least to me, at least in recent history, their best win of the season, if oh, not one sure. of, against Seattle, that was probably the closest game to 60 minutes I've seen them play this season. They obviously shut them out. Sorokin has another great game. 4 to nothing win. And you're saying, okay, maybe this is starting to become a trend here. Maybe they're starting to figure things out, whether it's the break that helped them out, whether it's Horvat coming in. But you're like, hey, maybe they can actually make a push here. Then you get to Thursday. You have a goal fest against the Canucks at home, against a team towards the bottom of the standings. They can't even squeak a point out in that game after having a, a two-goal lead there. And then you have today against another weak team. You go into their building. It's always tough to play in Montreal. But, again, they have a lead. They cough it up. This one goes to overtime. Ridiculous review that ends up not going yeah. their way anyway. And at the end of the day, two weak opponents – you take one point out of four, still in the playoff race, still in the mix, still got a shot here mathematically at least. They're there if they can figure these things out, but it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence when you have two games like this against some weaker teams. Again, you look at Vancouver, you look at Montreal. They are playing for nothing at this point in the year. Right. It's one thing to lose. There are games where the Islanders have outworked other teams and just lost, and again, that's going to happen. But when effort, which was brought up Thursday by everybody, where effort is the issue against teams... Like the Canucks, I get it. But Villiers returned. They wanted to win that. They had some extra juice that they probably usually don't have. But when effort is an issue from a team, not in a playoff spot that is expected to be in a playoff spot, that people believe, hey, we got, they got Horvat. You know, that's an extra added boost there. To have efforts, like we saw Thursday. Even efforts, again, tonight. I think 15 giveaways. Careless with the puck. A lot a, a lot of bad things. A lot of good things, too, but a lot of bad things. It's inexcusable at, at this point in the season. And again... When they say the lack of effort, they don't mean they're not trying. It just means in certain areas of the ice, certain players can they're give They're not more. making the right effort. Yes. Right. Missed assignments, blown coverage. I mean, you had a, a wide-open Canadian on one of those goals. Yes. And what was it? I think that was his first game, of, uh, first goal of his uh, season or career. Yep. <laughs> yep. Of course. Yeah, and it, wide open. And, and you know, it's been talked about on the show. Pollock, that's Pollock's man back there. And he gets caught in an awkward situation. Dobson, I believe it was Dobson who was in the corner uh, trying to play the guy who had the, the puck initially. Yeah. Pollock's in front. Now, does he even see his man out of out of the corner of his eye? Does he even know he's there? Because if he does, he's got to be covering that guy. If not, he's, he's caught in this weird spot where there might be a guy behind me and he's trying to intercept the pass. It doesn't happen. It goes across and it's in the net because it's a wide open shot and Varlamov doesn't have a chance on that. So it's it, it makes you wonder what is going to cure these issues that this team has blowing continuously blowing coverage like that leading to to goals against and 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 then you get into a a competition with a team like the Canadians where you can't even squeak out a win here yeah and and I think we'll definitely get to it in a little bit with with Lambert is mm -hmm. again I don't blame most of what happens this year on him it comes down to Lou not getting the guys come down to the players in the room stepping up when you're not getting the effort you need out of a team that should be every game playing like a do or die and they're not, mm -hmm. that falls back on the... Not even about preparation, firing them up. Again, we spoke about the last two games. This is the first time we've seen Lane really lose it. I mean, Thursday after the game during the press conference, you could tell. 
he was furious. We just watched him coming off the rink after um, the overtime loss where they have to come actually walk across the ice where to get to the locker <laughs> yes. room. Slams the bench door is, is miserable. He's got to come back to out. Back. <laughs> um, he's mad. He's furious. And yeah. again, he should be. He's not the one playing the game, but when you have certain guys in big moments, two lackadaisical on back checks, not making the right reads, veterans, not rookies, veterans making those mistakes, sure, is some of it on lane? Yeah. But that just comes down to you're paying certain guys to make big plays, and they're not. Well, not only veterans, but also guys that have been on this team long enough where they've obviously played for Lane Lambert, but they've also played for Barry Trotz. Yeah. And listen, I, again, I'm kind of with you here. I don't know if you, you you put this season and how it's gone all on the shoulders of Lane Lambert, but it's not like these guys didn't know how to play positionally before. It's not like they yeah. didn't know how to cover these guys in front of the net, in the slot, whatever it is, previously. And we've seen how good most of these guys, it's not the same squad, but for the most part it is. We've seen how good they can be defensively. We've seen how how well they've performed clamping down, preventing goals, preventing chances, preventing high-quality chances. And that's kind of gone out the window here. And yes, we've acknowledged the fact that Lane's running a different system. They're trying to get a little more offense. That's fine. But that's also pinching. That's also being more aggressive when the puck's in the offensive zone. When it's back in your own side... These guys are still supposed to know where they're oh, supposed to sure. be and who they're supposed to cover. So I think it's fair to question the coaching staff and and say how come they haven't had these guys in the right positions. Now, I don't know ultimately who that comes down to. It's the players who who perform out there. But this far into the season, and they're still having trouble there. And, and again, guys who have done it before. If this was something that they were still learning, still yep. trying to get a grasp on, but it, like you said, they're veterans. They've played a defensive system before. So why are they missing so many assignments? Yeah, it's it's... Just one goes back to communication, obviously on that Pulak where he has to guard two guys. That shouldn't be the case, and some forwards got to realize what's happening, but they're realizing too late. Again, it's it's all communication. They were discombobulated on Thursday. Again, they they did play better structurally uh, today, but again, you just those are mistakes. When it, you're you're not a team that lights the lamp, defense cast. It's been their bread and butter for years. Even last year when they struggled, and as much of the defensive struggled, the offense was ma- the major concern. And you knew okay, if they got some leads, they have. Ability. They've shown it the last two games before the break. They have the ability to close and shut down in the third. That didn't just disappear. These guys didn't just forget how to do that, right. which is what you just said. Right. So in games, the last two games, where a team that you're you're playing playoff hockey at this point in the year, those have to be two points. It, it just, there's no, again, you get a point, uh, the Islanders get a point and go into overtime, which again, critical point. But at the same time, you look back to the year, there's going to be a couple of games, games to Arizona, games to Vancouver. Even this game, mm-hmm. you look, okay, Islanders missed a playoffs by three or four points. This one's surely on it as a game where they could have gotten two and did not. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot has been said about the speed of this team, that yep. they they they're not as fast as a lot of the teams in the league, but these two losses had nothing to do with speed. No. Recording speed. in progress. This this had a lot more to do with just positional play. It wasn't it wasn't a matter of how fast one guy could get to to his coverage in the zone or anything. It was literally just being there at all. It's literally just picking up the right guy. So, you know, I don't I don't like that argument, you know, as far as these two games go. And again, I, I just don't know where these mental errors stem from. I don't know if this is a team that is you know, exhausted from, from you know, playing hard. I, I think it, it might have even been you who made this point on the show about, you know, a team that has such a hard time scoring. It was said by, I think, yeah. was it Elliot uh, Freeman, Marek. right? Marek. Marek said that, yeah. That they're busting their asses so much just to get that one or two goals that they had been getting a game that, you know, maybe it tires them out for, for the rest of the season. And then, look, it's all just speculation. But at the end of the day, 
these guys are supposed to know where their assignments are. They're, they're supposed to know who they're covering, whether it's the center down low or the defenseman down in front. It's just not happening. And to see it still kind of poisoning their games, you know, this late into the season, it's not encouraging. It's hard for either one of us to sit here and say, hey, they're still in it. They still have a chance because, yeah, the points are there and stuff like that. But, you know, when you have two games like this, it's it's hard to, you know, take confidence in that and saying, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to figure it out. They're going to they're gonna make a run here. And, and maybe they can, but... You know, you got to be able to beat these teams at the bottom of the standings because after Ottawa coming up on, what, Monday, Tuesday? It's tough. Then you have those that those sandwich games between Pittsburgh, Boston, Pittsburgh. I mean, that could be the season right there. Oh, and those are and Pittsburgh is games that have they have games in hand on you. So these are games exactly. where the Islanders got to make up ground. But the biggest issue for the Islanders the last two games has been their giveaways in the D zone, breaking out pucks. Again, they had 23 on Thursday. Lane afterwards said, if you turn the puck over 23 times, you're not winning. They had 15 again today. I think, I think uh, Montreal had five. So, right. again, these are mistakes in the defensive right. zone that just, what was that one shift where they are on the ice for over two and a half minutes? Yeah. That, that comes down to not clearing the zone when you have the chance right. to, and that, that limits right. everything. Offensive production changes, line changes, everything like that. So, got to make they have guys that can break the puck out. Pelic's mm-hmm. back. Boldick didn't play today, but Ajo could do it. There's guys that could do it. Just, again, not being on the same page as your forward either. It's not just D to D. It's D to forwards knowing where they're going to be. Forward's asking for the puck in the right spots. Because if a forward asks for the puck and the defenseman's head's down and he throws it to him and he's not open, you know, that's on the forward. Yes, the defenseman has to pick his head up. But at the same time, you got to work together. And they're just not in sync right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to watch sometimes. But, folks, we're glad you're here watching us here at Hockey Night New York. want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers later on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Anna Dua of NHL.com, NHL fantasy editor, will be joining us. Looking forward to that. We'll be right back. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now, you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. giving some time to our sponsors ready to talk more aisles the train rolls on right here on hockey night in new york that's right folks the train rolls on right here at hockey night in new york it is time for on the line and joining us on the line nhl fantasy editor and host for the nhl anna dua is joining us anna thank you so much for joining us this saturday afternoon how you doing thanks for having me guys i'm excited to be here Absolutely. You're here with me, Sean and Stefan. So let's start off talking about you a little bit, working for the NHL and the, particularly the, the fantasy aspect of it. What drew you into the fantasy angle for, for covering hockey as opposed to maybe just covering the league itself? Like, did you have a, a certain appreciation for fantasy hockey? How did you get into that? Yeah, I'm a big stats girl. So I love stats. I love looking into the numbers. And I think fantasy is where you can really dive deep and see how like players impact a team and categories that maybe general coverage doesn't necessarily focus on. So that's definitely what drew me into fantasy. 
Right on. So, obviously, a guy who Islander fans hope to have a big impact on the New York Islanders is Bo Horvat. He comes in on the trade here. So, maybe we can talk a little bit about that, even from a, a fantasy perspective as well, where you have a guy of his ill come in here and, and with all the expectations. I mean, look at how much a, a player not only has on his team, but... You know, a team that has that has a, has an effect on the player, too, where he's a, a high-scoring guy. He's already coming in here, scoring more goals than the rest of the team. And the Islanders are notorious for being a lower-scoring team. So, like, when you look at that situation, is Horvat going to bring the goal total up for the Islanders or the Islanders going to bring the goal total down for Bo Horvat because of maybe the system they play or because of the guys they have in the team? What kind of, you know, impact do you see this guy making on the New York Islanders going forward now, especially with an eight-year contract? I mean, so far he's been doing well, right? right? So he's still scoring. It's not like he's gone on a dry spell since coming to Long Island. So I think the Islanders should be excited about that. But obviously he was doing so, so well in Vancouver, right? I mean, he's still up there in goals and the whole league has 34 on the season, I believe, so far. So he was very talented. I know Vancouver's offense is a little bit different than New York's right now, but I think he definitely boosts the Islanders. Individually, I have to say he's losing a bit of fantasy value with the trade just because I know they're going to be moving players around. You never know. They moved Barzell out to the wing, I believe, with Horvat right now. So I don't know how they're going to shift around the top six in like weeks to come and where he fits and who he finds chemistry with and who he ends up playing with. So I think individually, fantasy owners probably are going to see him lose a tiny bit of value, but he helps New York a lot. Specifically on the man advantage, I was thinking like before he moved over when the Islanders acquired him, I was like, he's going to help there because they're really struggling on the power play this season. And he was doing well in the power play in Vancouver, a league leader in power play points and was just awesome. And that aspect with the Canucks. So I think he's going to add something there. So the Islanders should be excited about that. Uh, on the flip side with Barzal, is his value skyrocketed with, with this <laughs> with this move here? Obviously, again, he's a, he's a player that needed a guy like Horvath. And now, you know, for fantasy users that need to go get somebody you know, for their run, I mean, does Barzal's value now skyrocket? Or just for the Islanders' fantasy of making the playoffs Yeah, their year. fantasy as well. <laughs> I mean, he's doing well too, right? Yeah. So Matt Barzal's kind of heating up a little bit. I think he has like six points in his last five games or yeah. something heading in, I believe. Something around there. So he's roughly like a point-per-game player right now for the Isles. And guys, he has such a high ceiling. I think sometimes people forget how well he played during his Calder Trophy winning year. And this is a player who's just so, so talented and playing with someone like Bo Horvat absolutely could revitalize Matt Barzell a little bit and get him back to the way he was playing in his rookie year with the Islanders. So, I mean, I think his fantasy value does increase for sure. I don't know because I saw Matt Barzell play junior hockey. I'm a big junior hockey girl. I'm Canadian and he's a natural born center. So I have a little bit of concern around him playing wing and how he's going to fit into this lineup. I know he did really well playing center with Seattle in the WHL. So I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out how they're going to use him and utilize him because I'm not loving the lineup position. When they got Bo Horvat, guys, that was my number one concern, right? Like the Islanders have so much center depth. They're adding another center. I thought he would be a better fit on a team that maybe needed a center desperately, but it's working right now. I think it's going to help him a little bit, but I got to have a couple more weeks. I need to see what the final lines look like in like two, three weeks before I decide who's going to benefit a lot. Yeah, for sure. And, and a big part of why they had Barzell move to the wing is because of the face-off prowess. Bo, Bo Horvat is one of the best in the game, while Matt Barzell is uh, quite the opposite yeah. right now. So as long as he can work positionally, hopefully that works out. But just to, to key in on a little bit more of the Islanders and their playoff hopes and whatnot, and you have Horvat coming in, hopefully he helps in the power play. He should, he has so far. Hopefully he helps him get a couple more goals to win games, even though it didn't really happen today. But 
Do you look at this team if they have any hope or prayer to get into the playoffs? And this is a question we get a lot on the show, whether it's on Twitter while we're doing the show here. Do you think they need to add more, whether it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a top-line guy or a sniper or anything like that, but maybe even just depth up front or something on the back line? Does this, does this team need another piece to kind of help, maybe not solidify, but, but at least boost their chances of, of having a fight here for, for one of those last playoff spots? They might, to be honest. It's just so tough because when I'm looking at the East, I'm thinking about what team the Islanders are going to have to knock out to make it in. And you got to win these games like you're playing against Montreal. You got to win these games, right? You got to come out of these games with two points. And if that's not happening, that's a huge concern because, like, looking at the wild card race right now, we have Pittsburgh and Washington who are like in it for the Stanley Cup, but Florida's heating up. Sergey Bobrovsky, Spencer Knight are back. So they were like, just absolutely dealing with the worst goalie luck ever down in Florida. And they're heating up a little bit. Buffalo is probably one of the most exciting teams to watch in the entire league right now. Their offense is so young, so dynamic. Their defense is great. They have some good goalies of the future there. I don't know if they make it in this year, but when I'm looking at the teams that are kind of surrounding the aisles, there's so many teams that are going to be pushing and it's going to be a photo finish to get in. So they need all the help they can get right now because even knocking out either Pittsburgh or Washington is going to be very, very tough to do. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about warm weather stuff because it's freezing here. But let's, <laughs> let's talk about Florida. You were in Florida for the All-Star game. What was that experience like? It was awesome. I mean, it was my first All-Star. No better place I could have had it, to be honest. The Islanders were very well represented yeah. there, huh? With yeah. Bo Horvat making it three down in Florida. But it was great. It was awesome getting to see all of them. All of them deserve to be there. I've been very high on Elias Sorokin for years now. I've been saying that individually, if you take all environment aside, he has been in the conversation for me for the past two years, at least, for being the best goaltender in the NHL. So it was really nice to get to see him down in Florida and get that opportunity to play with guys like Shesterkin and see them together. It was really cool. We're talking to Anna Dua on the line from the NHL. And Anna, speaking of that conversation, where where would you pinpoint Ilya Sorokin now as far as the top goaltenders in the league go? I mean, we're talking top three here, top five. Does he have a little bit more to climb? Where, where do you see him fitting in with the Shesterkins and uh, the rest of the top goalies in, in the league? I think this year kind of highlighted a lot about the goaltender position in particular, because heading into this season, I think people thought it was a one and two race between Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin. And I think this season highlighted how amazing Sorokin's season was last year, because despite everything that was going on with the Islanders as an organization, he had phenomenal numbers. He was just playing out of his mind. And so we see when teams start to go through these slumps, how goalies like Shosturkin and Vasilevsky can falter a little bit. Linus Olmark of the Boston Bruins having the season of his life right now. So he's absolutely at the top. But I mean, you don't know if he's going to be able to keep it consistent because for me, Sorokin has been consistent. He's a guy who plays consistently well, despite the fact if the Islanders are playing well or not, like the Islanders could go on a losing streak and I'll look at his numbers and I'll be like, he's still doing like a phenomenal job in the crease. So for me, it's not even like top three. I think right now for me, he's like one and two between like Shesterkin, Vasilevsky and Sorokin are all kind of like in that like range. But if I had to choose one goaltender out of the three at this moment based off of like individual ceiling and individual play Elias Sorokin might be my number one there you have it folks Islander fans like to hear that and and you actually bring up a great point 
when you mention the team in front of them, right? Like you talk about Allmark, and Boston's pretty much lights out this year. They're winning almost every game that they play. And, you know, this argument goes back to the beginning of time here, but like it's funny. I remember, you know, talking to talking to guys years ago against Marty Brodeur. And yes, he was one of the best goaltenders to ever play in the NHL. He was a great goaltender. But there's always that question of, well, they had that trapping New yep. Jersey Devils team in front of them. And how much did that have to do with that? But when you raise that point now and you look at Ilya Sorokin and the season that he's having, despite all the warts of the team in front of him, and you see the success that he's having, I think I think there might be something to that. And and maybe you're onto something there, Anna. Maybe Ilya Sorokin is the best goalie in the league because of that. I think that's definitely like a conversation that at the very least has to be had, right? You know, like he's just putting up good individual effort every single night, making ridiculous saves. He's so talented, so athletic. Uh, he's a goalie that I like comparing young goalies to in this league too. Like I find myself doing that a lot. I was a big fan of Pyotr Kachekov of the Carolina Hurricanes is in the AHL right now. And for me, when he was going on that little win streak that he had when he got called up to the Canes with the injuries they had, I was like, he reminds me of Ilya Sorokin. So when I'm comparing these young guys to guys like Ilya Sorokin, it shows how much of an impact he has in the goaltending position. Because for me, he's kind of someone that a lot of them should probably model their game after because he's just so athletic and so consistent. So the Islanders obviously being the trendsetters in the Metro that they are, <laughs> they make the trade for Bo Horvat, and then the Rangers obviously have to go and make a deal themselves to, to get in the arms race here. And they pick up Tarasenko. So first question I want to ask, what do you make of that Tarasenko deal for the New York Rangers? And secondly, which team do you think swung the better deal when you compare them? Now, obviously, it's not apples to apples. You have Tarasenko, who's a UFA. We don't know if he's going to stick around with the Rangers going beyond this. He's also a little older than Bo Horvat, but he's obviously a trigger man, a guy who's going to put a lot of pucks in for the Rangers to Islander fans' dismay. So maybe you can just let us know what do you make of that deal, and then how does it compare to the Horvat deal? I think it speaks for himself after last night, right? He came out and he, he made an impact almost immediately. Didn't even give me time to blank. But Tarasenko is a player who sometimes I think gets a little bit underrated just because of the injury issues he's dealt with. He was obviously injured this season as well. So sometimes people forget how high of a ceiling this guy really has. I mean, he's had six 30-goal seasons. He's had six seasons with at least 200 shots on net. He's a very talented player. And now the Rangers are stacking him on that first line with Panarin and he's playing with Zibanejad. That has to be one of the best first lines in the entire NHL like they're going all guns a blazing right now Panarin such a talented player too so I think no team's going to want to be playing against that first line so the Rangers did what they had to do I'm pretty happy with what the decision they made if I was the Rangers because they could have gone for Patrick Kane they would have lost a lot more if they went for Patrick Kane they have a pretty solid offense they just needed one right winger and they got that in Vladimir Tarasenko so I think New York's pretty happy with that for me I think the Islanders trade I I, once again I have to say like I have to wait a couple of weeks because I don't think they addressed the concern that they had heading into it right so when they got Bo Horvat I said it earlier but I was like they have like Brock Nelson's having like an out of his mind year right now they have like so many talented centers they have like so many players in that position that are league leaders in a lot of categories so I was like why are they getting another center for me I thought Bo Horvat would go somewhere like Carolina maybe a team that desperately needed a 2C but it depends on what they can make out of it. Cause for me, the Rangers addressed their issue, right? They went in, they were like, we need a guy who's our right winger. They got Tarasenko is working out for him. So right now I would have to side with the Rangers a bit, but if Bo <laughs> Horvat can change that. the dynamic of this team, maybe I'll be biting my words in a couple of weeks. All right, we'll see. We'll give it some more time. And and last one for me, and we'll, we'll swing it back into, into the fantasy conversation. So not only are the, are the teams in the league making a little playoff push here, but if you're in a hockey fantasy league, you're kind of making your playoff push. Now the playoffs kind of start what end of March, early April, 
like before the regular season's over. So are there any waiver wire sleepers right now that anybody looking to make a push for the playoffs in fantasy that uh, that uh, fantasy players might want to keep their eye on? For me right now, it's actually like I wish I wish someone asked me this question right before all star before all of these trades went down, because Mm -hmm. if you picked up speaking of the Rangers, if you pick up people like Philip Heedle, who I was like chirping on about this whole year, right before this Tarasenko trade went down and the Rangers had their odds and futures appeal boosted, you're probably feeling really, really smart right now because he was not rostered in a lot of leagues. And I'm sure they're really happy. But other than him, if I'm looking around the entire league, there are some Islanders beneficiaries. But once again, I'm not not exactly sure if they would be like the best pickups long-term. If you want to take a short-term flyer on anyone who's maybe like, I know Palmieri was doing pretty well recently. So if you want to take a flyer on him, you should go for it. But around the league, sometimes I look at teams that are not even in the playoff conversation, but I have players who are doing well for me. Someone sticking out is Kirill Merchenko of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The guy's just like scoring goals, like nobody's business. That's pretty much all he's doing. So I think there's value there. He's barely rostered in any league. So guys like him, Logan Couture out of San Jose, he's not rostered in a lot of leagues. So when you look at teams that aren't making the playoffs, there's still players that are producing on them. Those are who I'd probably target right now because you can get some sneaky value. Well, Anna, fantastic stuff. Really appreciate you joining us here today on your Saturday afternoon. It means a lot. And uh, keep up the great work over at the NHL. And I uh, hope to have you on again down the road. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Anna, appreciate thank you it. so much. Have a great rest of your day. All right, folks, that was Anna Dua of the NHL fantasy editor and host for the great National Hockey League. Good stuff, buddy. Oh, yeah. She was, she was great. Newer yeah. stuff. It was perfect. Gave a lot of insight in fantasy, a lot of insight. On... Were you taking notes on that, pal? Oh, of course. In, the, yeah. in a couple of leagues this oh, year? Not at all. I can never keep up with fantasy. But <laughs> I do. I mean, she, she talked about the numbers. Those are critical for, I mean, writers, too. People don't think about that, too. And we're sure. writing, especially for me, I like to be analytical with the writing. And it also helps understand things, too. So definitely great insight there for sure. For sure. So we're going to break in a minute, but before we do, I want to tell you guys a little bit about our friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game for you. From old favorites to the hottest new releases, we have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, or Game Night Live communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe, find your crowd, unplug your game. So, with that out of the way, we're going to take a quick break. I want to thank you all once again for spending your Saturday evening with us here at Hockey Night New York and tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers later on. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. 
And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Pharma created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Hey there, welcome back. We missed you too. Now kick up your feet and settle back in to Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. Welcome back to Hockey Night New York here with Stefan Rosner of NYI Hockey Now and myself and Hockey Night New York, of course, <laughs> and myself, Sean Cuthbert, only of, of Hockey Night New York. I, I don't have my own publication, but welcome back. We're going to dive a little bit into the week of Bo Horvat, week one anyway. So why don't we start with that, Stefan? Let's let's focus on Horvat, the player, mm-hmm. who he is and what he has brought to this team so far and obviously a very limited amount of games. What do you like so far? Well, I think he's as advertised, if not better. You know, him coming in, he had 32 goals when he got here. Or 31, excuse me. 31, yeah. 32, mm-hmm. 31, whatever. 31. Um, goal scorer. But he was, he's not your stereotypical goal scorer. He's, he's not, I wouldn't call him a sniper. What he's really good at is getting to open space, finishing off chances yes. created, deflecting shots. And also, like we saw this week, get shots off quick from everywhere. Yes. You know, even if there's two guys on him, he's getting quick shots off Quick and accurately. Quick. Exactly. And for <laughs> that, I mean, he's the, the dream winger or whatever you want to call it, centerman for a guy like Matt Barzal. And it's it's truly paid Tell off. us why. Just again, going back to the, going back to, <laughs> thank you for that. Going back to just finding space. You saw when they moved, Wallstrom gets hurt, Zekas plays with Barzal. It worked out early because Zekas just found the space. He didn't finish the chances off, but he found the space. Now you have right. Horvat here. Not only does he win the faceoffs, not only does he, he's played better defensively than I thought you know, he was, again, he's a great yeah, I player. Yeah, I saw some Vancouver fans that were like, yeah, he's a great player, but watch out for him on the defensive side of things. And, and that first game against the Flyers, I know they didn't connect on a goal with him and Barzal. They had chances, but mm. getting down low, intercepting passes, getting mm. passes up quickly to break out in, in the defensive zone, those were areas where I was, oh, okay, that's more than I thought. I, I knew he was a solid defensive centerman, but at the same time, he was doing a lot, which helps Barzal. And then you just, again, goal scoring, the power play, he brings so much. Again, I don't think the Islanders obviously need more more players brought in to be a true cup contender. But to have this guy around for another eight years after this, he is he is the player that fits what the Islanders needed in one spot perfectly. Right, yeah. I think we're, we're starting to learn that he's not going to be the Messiah here no, and, and cure yeah. all of the Islanders' uh, you know, ills and ails, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think, you know, as, as, as he keeps acclimating himself to Islander hockey, to playing with Matt Barzell, it's going to get better and better. We're going to see more and more. But he certainly fills a key, key hole that this team hasn't filled in, in ages. We talked, we joked about it, you know, when we were doing the live stream before for the for the game. So I think that's great. But not only what comes, not only that, but what else comes with it. And we know this from him being a captain. But the character he seems to, you know, give off as, as far as a player goes on and off off the ice, and the quotes that he's already given. He sounds yeah. like a, a big time character guy. He said nothing but great things about coming here to the island. You love to hear the fact that before this trade even went down, that apparently the Islanders were going to be a top yeah. five destination for him if he made it to free agent which you love to hear once again and even though it's a small sample size and I think we mentioned this a little bit during the uh, the live viewing party too is that he's he's already kind of helped resurrect the power play a little bit now look a couple of games you can't say it's resurrected yeah. you know for good or whatever the case may be but it's it's getting more talent on the power play on both on both lines right whether it's pp1 with him there and whoever's going to be on pp2 right 
And the fact that they've already scored a few goals here is a good sign. And if you can get more shots from the point with a guy like him in front of the net who's tipping, deflecting, or even just collecting rebounds and putting them where they're supposed to go behind the goalie, then you're probably going to see some better things out of the power play here, which they obviously need. So, I mean, pretty much an all-around positive pickup here, right? He just he makes Barzal more... We're going to get to him in a second, but he makes Barzal much more dangerous. He does. And why don't, you, why don't we just, you know, to kind of talk about that a little bit. You already... You know, spoke about how Horvat's getting into the open spaces, the soft spaces, if you will. You know, and just like subtle little plays here. And it was the, I think it was the other night. It was actually he did it against the against the Canucks, and he also did it against Seattle, where just very subtle positional awareness. Oh yeah, where he sees Barzell get the puck, and he's already kind of scooting backwards to kind of just distance himself from a defenseman that's covering him in front of the net. And it's a very quiet play, but then you have a guy like Barzell who sees that out of the corner of his eye, and he's making that nice behind-the-back pass or just a nice little tricky feed to get it to him. And then uh, Horvat ends up finishing the goal, finishing the play. So I think that is kind of uh, complementary to what you're saying here as far as these guys meshing well together, and they, they can kind of... You know, bounce off of each other's specialties and talents to really make some points happen where you look at these guys where they might be able to actually lead this team offensively with numbers that kind of get closer to that point per game, you know, area at the very least that you like to see out of your top players. Yeah, and the Horvath's first goal in Islanders sweater that against the Kraken where you're, you're bringing it up. The definition of what he has to do. He's in the low slot. Mm. Barzal gets the puck. He backs up towards the back post. It's not even a great feed, which is even crazier we go into that. It's not an amazing feed. Uh, feed by Barzal to Horvat. That's a goal scorer's goal where he catches it on edge right, right, right as it hits the ice and puts a top shelf. Mm. And that is what he has to do, find space. That one time or the other day where he's in the, the bottom of the circle, two guys on him, Barzal, instead of peeling back like Barzal usually mm. does, right. he drives to the corner, creates more space a little bit, sees a little bit of space for Horvat, gets the puck right there, and all Horvat has to do is let it rip, and he scores. Yeah, so they've played 55 minutes together okay. while on the ice. They've outshot a, the Islanders have outshot opponents 31-16, to 16, two goals for, one against. Um, and then we'll, we'll get to Balin a little bit, and he's had his struggles, but that line as a whole, 46-22 played, outshooting opponents 28-13, to 13, again, two goals, one assist. Obviously, this last game had an impact on that. On that number, they had not allowed a goal yet, so... Again, they're out shooting. They're they're the Corsi four, which is just possession. They've possessed the puck more often than not against their opponents. And again, it's it's not crazy hockey that they have to play. It's very right. simple. Horvat makes Barzal's life simpler. Barzal makes Horvat's life a lot simpler. And in theory, both of those players should make Bailey's life a bit simpler. And that's kind of not been the case. Yeah, and let's expand on that because we know again we know the season that Bailey has had. You know, fans have grown about the fact that Bailey's kind of getting a shot here on the first line. Is he is he really deserving of it? And you make a case, yeah, maybe he's not because of the season that he's had. But you look at the rest of the lineup. We talked about this during the during the watch along as well, where you made the point where the rest of the lineup is kind of set where it is. It's kind yeah. of in a good place, right? Nobody wants to touch that second line right now with Lee. Nelson and Palmieri. They've been making magic over there. And then the third and fourth line look good too. I mean, I think. We all know that Parisi and Pajot have complemented each other very well. I think Holmstrom's done a decent job since he's been in there also. And and the fourth line is the fourth line. You know who's going to be the, be down there, whether it's Clutterbuck or Fashing or whatever it is. So I think all of those spots make sense, and they should stay yeah. where they are. So I don't have a problem trying to not only see if Bailey can slot in over there, but also just see if it jump starts him a little bit. And if he can complement them, and and in this small sample size, it's worked. Is yeah. he your ideal? Is he your ideal first line left winger right now? No, of course not. But 
as long as it's not dragging them down, as long as the production is there and he's putting up a couple of points too, which he has so far, maybe a primary assist or two at least, which is great, then you let it ride and you see where it goes because we don't know if... We don't think that they're going to get the caliber of of player that's going to belong there between now and the trade deadline, right? Especially with the lack of assets that they have. So they got to make it work internally. And if it doesn't work, if they hit a wall then yeah, you, you look at your other options, whether that's a Parisi, whether that's a Holmstrom, I wouldn't mind seeing him up there, seeing what the kid can do up there. Maybe he can kind of be your grinder. I mean, Parisi can do that too. I saw a suggestion in the chat while we were watching the game, you know, put Sezikis back up there. I wouldn't be opposed to that because, you know, a lot of these lines, you have your shooter, you have your playmaker, and then you have the guy who mucks in the corner. Yeah. So any one of those guys can work. It's just a matter of then finding the balance with the rest of the lines. But it's working so far. I say stick with it, even though they lost the last two games, but it doesn't hinge on, on that line and how they've performed yeah i mean big league's got 10 10 giveaways in three games but before the game against the flyers and we saw bar uh bailey with barzal and horvat lambert was asked do you think this could jumpstart bailey and he said that's the hope now again we don't think bailey has that much value he's got five million left one year after this year they could try to move him to clear cap space but like we saw with Bo the last week before he got traded but uh, anthony bavillier he got a chance with barzal it didn't work out. I think that was kind of his last chance to show that, hey, he could be a part of this team. Mm-hmm. He moved him out. I'm not saying it's to the same level. There's tape. Every team has tape on Bar's, on uh, Bailey for a very long time. <laughs> right. But if he could start clicking and really getting the points and, and playing well and raising his game, does a playoff team look at Bailey or does any team look at Bailey as a veteran leader they could bring on? Doubtful, but at the same <laughs> time, if he had really truly yeah. been collecting more points, maybe scoring a couple of goals this first week, now you look at it as, okay, maybe, maybe he's got more left than people thought. Um, again, it's short, small sample size. But you can't, again, you can't move the lines around right now because, again, if you take away Palmieri or Lee from the second line, that second line's been so hot for you, you're interrupting that, which has been a line that's been carrying you. So you can't really do that. Yeah, and the thing is, like, again, in this, these few amount of games, this handful of games that we had since Horvat's come over, like, the offense hasn't been the problem. It's not the no, scoring. Yeah. It's it's the defense. It's it's literally keeping they goals out of the net. five goals last game and lose. Right, exactly. Today, so. Yeah, and they only get two tonight, today. Three. Right? Three. They lost four, three, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah my yeah. mistake. Yeah, okay, so they get three today, <laughs> which is better. You know, and but, had a lead. Right, they had a lead, and they had a lead in the other game, too, Thursday night. But they're not able to keep the puck out when it, when it matters most. And, and you know, Varlamov played a good good game today. I mean, we talked about how Sorokin had a little bit of a shaky one on Thursday. Not all his fault, but, nope. you know, you thought he would have made at least a couple of those saves. But, yeah, the team has to get it get it together defensively. And I think the lines that they have in place now are good. I think you still keep riding out with Bailey. And unless you got anything else in that, I guess we can move on from there. Yeah, let's move on. Right. So we'll move on. So why don't we? Uh, why don't we? We kind of talked about the results of the game. We don't, we don't have to really jump into that. We know they beat Philly. They had a good game against them. Good game against Seattle. And we just kind of talked about Thursday and today. So we don't really have to dive into those. So why don't we get in to what's on tap? What's on tap? What's on tap? <laughs> Got to get some new intro music for that. <laughs> All right, what's on tap, ladies and gentlemen? We hit that up before Tuesday night. Ottawa Senators, another winnable game, another team that are beneath the Islanders in the standings. But as we've seen recently, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because the Islanders are struggling against those teams too. Then you have what may be a very pivotal weekend for the New York Islanders starting on Friday, playing against the Pittsburgh Penguins. These are both home games. And then Saturday... Very tough tilt. Shipping up to Boston. Shipping up to Boston for a 5 o'clock game. Once again, remember, viewing party at Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Myself and Tony Stabile. Pre-game show at 4 o'clock. But you got 
Maybe a, a little bit of a struggle with Ottawa, but then you got two tough, tough games, again, with heavy playoff implications for the New York Islanders. So what do you make of this week for the Islanders? Well, the fact that you just lost the last two kind of makes Ottawa a Valentine's Day. A, a, <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, a again, lover's quarrel. <laughs> every game is a must-win here on out. Those two yeah. games should have been wins. But if you want to give yourself any chance going into that tough weekend, especially the rest of the, like, the week now that they have to face after that, mm-hmm. you got to find a way to make It's a, not even just a win. Statement again, you got a right statement. Show like, us something like the Kraken game. Sa- Seattle game was nice. I mean, the yeah, Seattle game Need was more nice of that because they did exactly what yeah. they had to do. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it's going to show what you're you're made of. And again, the honors haven't really played down to the the great teams, the good teams. Obviously, Pittsburgh is hovering. They've had a lot of issues. There, mm-hmm. you know, the the fans there are unsettled with what's going on there. Jari's been hurt. The Smith has been all right. They've mm-hmm. having their struggles of their own. I mean, Boston is just an absolute unit. On every level. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, Pittsburgh, ha- again, you go, this whole entire rest of the season is about the games that you have in hand or the opponents have in hand. And when you face those teams, beating them, because again, when you face the teams and you play the teams that have the games in hand, those are the ones you have to win or find a way to get points in. Because again, an overtime game, if you get one point, they get two. So it's, again, at the end of the right. day, those are regulation wins you need. Right. And against Pittsburgh, where you play two in the span of three games. Mm-hmm. Those are those are critical if Yellowers want to find some way to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you don't care if you give Ottawa a point. You don't care if you give Boston a point if you can get the win in Boston. But you know, taking two points from from Pittsburgh is probably critical. And last week we've been doing this. Bot and I um, usually when we do what's on tap is you know what do they got to do this week for it to be a successful week? And and him and I agreed that this past week they just said they should they needed to take six out of eight. They end up taking five, so they're one point short. So now you got to make that up somewhere, right? So. Again, tough week, but for the Islanders to stay relevant, stay in the mix here, to keep the hope alive at the very least for Islander fans, what do they got to do in these three games? I would mimic the six of eight. Uh, I would. I would go. Well, there's only six on the table here. A four of six. <laughs> uh, I can't do math. That's okay. Um, well, you got to beat Ottawa. Yeah. And, and if you could find a way to get a point, I mean, look Squeeze at Boston. You get a point out of Boston. That's three there. Honestly, you probably need. You probably got to beat one of Pitts. I guess Pittsburgh doesn't count the second game because the week after. Is that how you're looking at it? Correct, correct. Okay, that's, that was my mistake there. It's yeah. okay, buddy. So, again, so you get two points against Ottawa. Find a way to get a point against Boston. And you kind of need you, you gotta get two, actually. So maybe, yeah. Four to five points. Yeah, four to five. Yeah, maybe that fifth point is the one you lost yeah, last yeah, yeah, week, yeah. right? So four would have been a little more acceptable if they had to take care of business completely last week. So now you're looking for four or five this week just to kind of get through and stay in the mix. We, we still got to see what Washington's going to do, what Pittsburgh's going to do, what Florida's going to do, what yeah. Buffalo's going to do. There's, a, there's so These many losses moving parts haven't here. helped when those teams, you know, I think it, after Thursday's game, five games in hand. Uh, yeah. uh, Pittsburgh had and Buffalo had. So again, these are yeah. I mean, not the time for these kinds unless, of games. Unless Pittsburgh just hits the tank somewhere and they go on some or kind Washington. of bad losing streak. Well, well, what I'm saying is unless Pittsburgh loses some of those games yeah. in hand, Washington is the team that the Islanders oh. are chasing here. Again, because I mean, of the games in hand. So exactly. Close. Yeah. So we'll see. But folks, that was what's on tap. And now we're going to swing it in to Hero of the week. So folks, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the B-Comp Q, named after none other than friend of the show, Mr. Brian Compton. Been a while since we had that as the Hero of the Week. Featuring boneless ribs, barbecue sauce, and pickles on a hero. Fantastic stuff. Better than the McRib over at McDonald's. So, stop on into the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location. Mention Hockey Night New York and get half off the B-Comp Q. With that, Stefan Rosner, who's your hero of the week? Sunday. No, I'm kidding. It's not, not a day, not a day of the week <laughs> nice. this time. But uh, nice. I think you got to go to Varlamov. Obviously, okay. His last game out of the before the break was fantastic. Doesn't count this week, but nope. 
against the Flyers out of the break, first game back. Yep. Early on in that game, probably the first five or six minutes, the Islanders weren't truly settled in, and he had to make a couple of big stops. They get that win there. Again, against Montreal, he was fine. He, he, was, he was better than fine. He made some big yes. saves and big moments. Odd man Definitely Russell. not somebody to point at for no, the loss. No. Got them the point. He played a critical point and over, yeah. over his last two games. 9-12 yeah. save, 2.42 goals against. Not amazing numbers, but again, 14 of 7 high danger saves. That's pretty big there. Again, big saves against Montreal. We talked about it. Big saves against the Flyers. And yeah, you just look at, especially after the struggles of Sorokin. You know, Varla, uh, Lambert gives Varlamov this game, which he didn't have to. He could have gone back to Sorokin. But you know what? Let's get Varlamov back in there. And he played in goal exactly the way they needed him to play. Again, I don't think he didn't make a save they needed. He made those big saves. Again, the goals that were scored, backdoor wide open, slot wide open, deflection, uh, breakaway rebound. I mean, you don't yeah. look at any of those I mean, goals. that was a big save in itself, the, yeah. the first one. Yeah. You know, the rebound goes in, which nothing he could do about that. Yeah, but the initial save, save was yeah. fantastic. They just couldn't prevent the rebound from going in. So I, I like it, man. I think yeah, that's a good thing. Thank you. You got it, man. <laughs> so on to mine, and this guy got it from, from Chris Botta last week, and I'm going to continue for Bo Horvat. Two weeks in a row, he's my hero of the week because, look, he's, he's paid immediate dividends for this team, right? He comes over. He's already scoring goals. He's already helping the power play. His faceoff numbers are already really good. So as you said, as advertised, he's developed immediate chemistry with Matt Barzell. Again, small sample size. We hope that it continues. So far, so good. Hopefully, it only gets better from here. And look, again, he obviously hasn't been the savior here. Uh, not to say that these two losses have anything to do with him in a negative light, but is it enough? We're learning that it might not be. They can't beat Vancouver. They can't beat, uh, they can't beat Montreal, two teams that they should have beat, even with Bo Horvat in the lineup. So there's obviously more things they need to work on. But look, I love the fact that they got this guy. I think he's going to be a great player for this team. I love that Matt Barzell finally has a, a running mate, if you will, riding shotgun with him for, for the foreseeable future, for the long-term future. And I like the contract, eight and a half, not bad. That's fine. So there you have it, folks. Bo Horvat is my hero of the week. Nothing. You got nothing to say about that. No, I, I didn't know if I didn't know if there was some music that was about to play. I'm still getting used to the whole dynamic. Of the, I was like, "Is there music going to play?" No, I wanted to. I did. I did have stuff to add. I didn't want to interrupt Ed's great work. Um, and uh, no, what I wanted to say was when Lamarillo made the deal for Horvat, he made it so known early that this was not about this year. This is not about this year. I backed it up. Stop laughing. Backed it up. <laughs> action. Speak louder than words. But then, it, as a realist, if you're a fan or an analyst or a writer. Stop thinking about this year as a whole. Right. Again, this is chemistry that they're going to have for eight years. You talk to Barzal now, and we have. Mm. He just, different mentality he for glows. him. He is, he is more juiced up, more mm. energetic, willing to talk. Mm. He was more excited for Horvat when Horvat scored his first goal as an Islander than... Yeah, than he even was. saw his and I face. Asked about like, it. He was I, I said, up, yeah. you know, he goes, I'm, I'm ecstatic. And again, yeah. he hasn't had a player like this to the point where if this is a lost season... To me, it's not, because if you're not going to make hmm. the playoffs, this is such vital... Again, when you call up a young guy with, with dead time to play games and they're getting experience, mm. the next 20-plus games is just experience for Barzal and Horvat to build as much chemistry as possible to go into next season with, with no issues at all. Again, if they had gotten him and the honors are in a playoff race and you know he was a rental and that said he's gone, then, then that matters. Then it's, okay, immediate clicks. The fact they're clicking so well now... Can you imagine a full season with these guys together? You're looking at Barzal getting yeah. back to being a point-per-game player. Horvath's not going to score 50. Could he score 35, 40? Again, if they're that right. hot and they're clicking and they have another weapon on that line, this is such valuable time whether they're in the playoffs or not, and I can't mm. speak enough on that. Yeah, I think that's well said, Stefan. 
And and look, you look at it in another way. This is a, a key, key part of the lineup that's had to be filled for the longest damn time, and it's finally something they don't have to worry about, right? Yeah. So hopefully they're able to keep their youngish core in, intact when you talk about Barzell, Ho- Horvat, Pellick, Pullock, Dobson, Sorokin. Those are pretty much your main guys. You can make an argument about who, who surrounds them you know, as well. But look, if they can keep kind of complimenting those guys over the course of, of these long contracts that these guys have, then yeah, you're still going to have a chance. You're still going to have a fight and maybe get back into the playoffs. So Bo Horvat, Hero of the Week, along with Semyon Varlamov. Good stuff. This is now the part of the show where we ask Jay and Ed how, they, how they're doing. How you doing, boys? I mean, we're a uh, little... Well, I don't know about we. Jay's, <laughs> right, Jay's, Jay's probably Jay not no upset idea. at the Islanders' care. loss. He doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't uh, care. How you yeah, doing, was, buddy? Was, yeah, was yeah, upset. you you yeah. were upset. Yeah, during yeah. the uh, the the watch along, you know, there was I some really emotions. wanted to stick it to the Rangers Ad podcast. You predicted the three two O two uh, OT victory, and uh, I was like, well, it's it's now three two Islanders. <laughs> so there goes your prediction. But it right, ended. They were just off. It by, ended. Uh, yeah. It yeah. still ended in overtime with the Isles loss. So. Well, look, man, I'm glad you were able to stick with us here. You know, after that crushing defeat today, and yeah. uh, how how's it going in the chat, man? Yeah, we doing. We going straight into questions brewing. It's like questions this, this, brewing time, it's bro. Questions, questions brewing time. <laughs> it's time for questions brewing. Brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Alrighty, that's right, folks. It's time for questions brewing. Ed, what do you got for us in the chat? Yeah, well, I know we're trying to avoid. Well, pretty much every week, topics of you know, Lou Amarillo and. <laughs> Listen, and I mean, unavoidable and, and right go, now. It's unavoidable it. right now. We're having on. a bad Bring day. On. All right. So this, some of them are formatted differently. You know, <laughs> they got creative. They got, you can get okay. creative with these. Okay. Uh, Mike, Mike is asking. Uh, he says, in his younger days, Lou <laughs> okay. was known for coaching changes. Ah, yes. do you think Lou would consider? Now, considering it's not like I'm right. going to take is he action. Going to do it? Right. Maybe he wants to. Maybe. Would consider a coaching change with Lane during the season. Go ahead, I think so. Lou wants to do more than make a coaching change. I oh, really? I want to bash his head against the wall with what the way he's saying. But no, uh, no. I again, I don't. I, we talked about this during the live show. We did. We did. What's what? What's the point? Well, let's say you fire Lane. You're not whoever you bring in. It doesn't matter if you're firing Lane. That means they're not making the playoffs, or you're at the point where it's after the deadline. The playoffs are not happening. You fire Lane, you're going to promote probably Johnny Mack, who's been the power play coach. Which That's I like, don't, what's the point? No, exactly. Yeah. Again, now you could go get a coach. If you're getting bringing in a coach that you think, okay, you're going to sign him for X amount of years and he's going to be your coach next year and you want to send. Same thing with Horvat working with Barzal in a lost season. Get a coach in here, no pressure at all, season's done. Me, but I look at coaches that are available. You know, Quenneville is not going to get a job. Badcock is is not the guy. Right. Who, who are no. you bringing in that's going to immediately change this team? I don't think anyone. <laughs> I think you let Lane ride this out. You see if Lou stays through the offseason. Because, again, right. whoever comes in probably fires Lane. Well, unless it's Trotz. I, I was, well, I was going <laughs> to say, you, you saw it. I think we saw it in the, yeah. in the, in the chat during the watch-along. I think it was Trotty 19 who was like, all right, fire, fire Lane and bring Trotz back. Yeah. For the... Just story and the entertainment value, oh, sure. Fantastic. And and uh, I don't know. This might even be more entertaining. But if he pulled what he did years and years ago, where I think it was he fired Robbie Fatorik. It was one of his coaches. It was either Fatorik or Julian, whoever it was. But he fired one of his coaches for the stretch run, and he replaced them with himself. Yeah, that's fantastic. And he hopped behind the bench. I was like, that, yeah. I'm not saying it's the right move, but if Lou wants to fire Lane and get back behind the bench just for the sheer. You know, watch along, if you will. I'll, sure, why not? Listen, if you want to find out who on your team gives a you-know-what and who doesn't, 
Lou behind the bench, people either are going to rise to the occasion there or mm-hmm. Lou is going to be able to see exactly, okay, you are no longer he's, part, but he's not going to do that. He's not going to do and it. I, I think, think his coaching days are over. Yeah. If they ever really, you know, started in the NHL. Yeah. I think he, I think he, I don't think he ever coaches as a, in, in the NHL only as a replacement. Yes. I don't think he knew he was never hired as a coach outside of just being a replacement. He fired coach. Johnny Matt. Oh, no, he fired, was it Pete DeBoer? I think he either fired Pete DeBoer or Hines on Christmas. Morning. I think that was the boar. Yeah, I think that was the boar. By the way, loves him. That's cool. there you go. That just man. shows you the effect of Lou Amarillo. Maybe maybe the boar just doesn't really care about Christmas. <laughs> who knows? Maybe he's too Travis. Right. Who, yeah, who knows? But yeah, look, I don't think there's going to be a coaching change before the season is over. Now, if Lou wants to reassess and look at this year, and if they fall on their faces, and he says, okay, maybe Lane wasn't the right guy, sure, maybe he makes a change there. I don't know. Uh, as much as I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Trotz behind, behind that bench because I never truly got over him being fired to begin with, sure, it's not going to happen, though. Uh, I think they're just going to ride this out for better or worse with uh, with Lane Lambert. What do you got, Ed? Well, we'll segue right into if Lane Lambert <laughs> isn't brought back next year, who would be the top three choices? <sighs> top three is if we, like, pre-made this yeah. list going into the it's show. Like we, yeah, we right. talked about Well, this. we know Trotz is number one. Yes, Trotz would be number Trotz one, even though it's not going to happen. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, is there some new blood out there that that's coming up? But I don't even think you want a veteran team getting a new coach. You probably want, want to go establish, yeah, NHL experience, playoff like, experience guy, like, like well, a Boudreaux. Well, well, I was just about to say a guy like Boudreaux who just lost his job in Vancouver. I mean, I'm only saying that because that's the only coach I'm no in my head that's, that's available right now. Well, but no, but yeah. but suiting the Islanders' purposes, like. You know, the guy hasn't really rode the train to to complete success with the teams that he's had, but he does ride them pretty far into the playoffs when he does have the right players on the ice. Yeah. So could Bruce Bruce Boudreau be a candidate in that very hypothetical situation? I think so. He's he's a well-respected coach. What happened to him up in Vancouver was a mess. And, you know, he's coached some some high-end teams over the past years that he's had some mild success with. So I think he's a name you throw in there. Also, you got to see who does get fired. Yeah, maybe there's a guy currently coaching somewhere, you know, that maybe ends up getting cut loose and you look at that and you say, hey, you know, maybe this is a guy. Like, who knows? Maybe if Washington doesn't make the playoffs, Laviolette falls out of favor there and he's a guy I'd bring back behind the Islander bench. Absolutely. So who knows? Yeah. All right. NZAB09, what other changes can Lou make to shake this team up? Don't don't want to be stuck like the Preds, stuck in the Preds of the East, stuck in mediocrity. Well, I think moving Bo was a big part, getting that cap space. I know you obviously use, used it to yeah, sign more of that, but making moves like that, place. moving players that you don't think that are part of your future. Now, again, we talked about Josh Bailey. Can they move at the deadline? If there's someone that would give up a pick, again, you're just probably to get rid of his contract, you're going to have to attach a pick. Now, if there's teams right. that are interested, there's teams like the Coyotes who just love to take on bad cap. They might want to do it, but again, a move like buying him out in the offseason, like that's a move that's showing okay. We're trying to make as much space as possible. We're trying to get people out of the lineup that maybe we don't see fit. Um, but again, they have a lot of young guys that have been given a chance this year, like a Holmstrom-esque guy. That, again, you have to go... I don't think it's... I think it's just getting someone, a higher-level player to play with Barzell. That's, you need to go get a veteran defenseman. Um, but other than that, it's just... You have got, you're already involved with this core to the point where there's not much major changes you can make without blowing it up, and they're not going to because they just signed Horvath. And we do know now that Lou Lamarillo is willing to shake this team up exactly. if he needs to by getting rid of 
Bavillier. It might have been too late for some people, but listen, I think that in in some ways, you know, maybe I'm being dramatic here, but a, a bit of a masterstroke by Lou to, to get Bo involved in that deal. Now, say what yeah. you want about Ratu and, and the pick. Maybe you're still upset about that, but the fact that he was on, he was able to unload a guy who wasn't figuring it out here and get rid of his four point one five million dollar contract. I thought was great because I don't know about you or the rest of the Islander fans out there, but I was ready to give Bo away for a pick for a low end pick, a third, fourth round pick. Like his value was in the tank because he wasn't producing. So like the fact that he was, you know, and no disrespect to the the man or the player that Anthony Bavillier is, but the fact that he was kind of able to just kind of be tucked into that deal and make that space and make that room to bring a Horvat in, I think was great. And the Canucks are a team, 25% of Horvat's salary. Yeah. can get a wash. I think it was, a again, we'll find out in the long term yeah. how much of a good trade that was. But I thought it was brilliant. But yeah, again, you're sh- that was a move that should have brought up more of a spark than it did. Again, Horvat added some spark. They were sparked out of the gate. But you're breaking up pieces of this core group that's gone on runs. And that was the first step of doing that, which I think is critical into, not you don't have to change the narrative of this team, but they were very comfortable as a group. You kind of, okay, if they can move Bavilla, they can move... X and if they keep right. moving those pieces and bringing back better players or making more space to bring in better players, mm-hmm. that's what Luke could do. Yeah, and outside of Josh Bailey, perhaps being the most obvious guy as somebody who you unload to a maybe shake the team up, as you say, or unload some salary. He's 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 you know suspect number one there. I don't know who it is after that. Really, Mayfield probably. Yeah, maybe as far as a guy who they can unload just because of his contract status. Yeah. But I also mean just like you know who else are you considering a guy that you're willing to give up or, you know, do away with, so to speak, just to kind of change the face of the team where you're also going to have to fill up their spot too. I'm not sure what you do, you know, with that. But, um, you know, anyway, I do think that if this team does stay reasonably in the playoff chase, now whether you have your own personal opinion that says there's no way they're making it because they're still losing these games to bad teams or whatever, but if they're still in it, if they're still mathematically able to fight for a playoff spot, I do think Lou's going to try to add something else. Yeah. Again, it might be something on the lower end of the lineup, like we talked about a depth defenseman or a forward who can plug in, but I do think that as long as it remains reasonable, this team is going to try to make the playoffs because they don't want another failure at UBS Arena. Ego. This is year two. Well, ego, yes, yeah. but but also brand new building. Oh, for sure. Let's you know they want some playoff revenue here. You know what I'm saying? They're losing season ticket holders because of the losing last year, oh, and probably sure. this year too. You know, I mean, the Islanders are bending over backwards now, offering all these weird promotions and stuff, trying to get people to, you know, enter them into contests to win, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen tickets, I think it is, or whatever the case may be. Like, what does that tell you? That means they're losing their clients here, right? So they need they need a win. You know, Bo Horvat was a win yeah. for, for, the, for the lineup and for long term, but they literally need to get back into the playoffs and finally have playoff hockey in UBS. So as long as they kind of stick with it, if they rattle off a win against Pittsburgh and Ottawa, the closer it gets to March and they're in it, I think Lou's going to add something else. It's so funny how things work. They come out of the break, get two wins. The ego not the or the confidence couldn't have been higher. Like, oh, they, yeah. And then you have these two losses. Oh, it couldn't have been lower. It's, but now if the Islanders go and they beat Ottawa, they beat Boston. Let's say they, they win all three. Now you're back to being... Beat Pittsburgh and even take Boston to OT. By everyone. <laughs> like, that's... Right. Like, and, or, that's, and if they lose all of them, it's sell everybody. I mean, I even saw someone say you should sell Barzal right now. I was like... It's it's been a roller coaster for the team on the ice. It's been a roller coaster for the fans watching this season. It's just been something to watch, just with how up and down and how. And last year they never went up, so it was it was like 
Yeah, at, yeah. Least, at least they've been teasing some hope. Yeah, they were on the little baby right? roller coaster. This yeah. one's like Kilimanjaro. They, they peaked just, early. Yeah. What was that? Maybe November. Yep. They really peaked Over in November. Over three and a half goals per game. Yeah, and then it just it just, uh, it just just started going like Under this. Under three goals slowly. a game. Yeah. yeah, so Ed, you got anything else for us? Yeah, well, first of all, we got we got the Rangers Ed podcast in here. Okay, what, what do yeah. those clowns have to say? Well, it's, it's not a question. I just need to address. Mm. Uh, they say... The Eds are unpredicted at game predictions, which I'd like to say you lost today. While you got the correction <laughs> of overtime well, loss, right? The I score just, was wrong. If I, FanDuel's not giving that to you <laughs> and DraftKings isn't giving that to you, we can't give that to you. Love that, Ed. That's right. right. Give it. I mean, you uh, lost that bet. You made that bet, York, you Ed, lost. Love that you're giving it to you Rangers, Ed. Bet. And you know what? want to personally send a thanks out to Rangers, Ed, for spend, you know for being Ranger fans and maybe anti-Islanders for spending your entire day here with us. Well, yeah, wow. Hockey Night in New York <laughs> for the watch-along. <laughs> I didn't even think about for, that. For the post-game show. So it is flattering. We we appreciate it. We love it. But no, it's a lot of fun. We, we're glad you've been hanging out with us and uh, giving us some digs. Somewhat but, uh, fun. Yeah, so, somewhat fun. Yeah, you just made me want to run through a brick wall. How high you just got on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Not bad. Love I'm it. Ed, bring the fire. All right. Well, we have a more we have a more legitimate question here. Okay. Uh, so, Enzeb again, how do we uh, bring back the, de- the defensive prowess they had under trots? Lockdown defense. Cover the right man. Better in their own zone. If they can fix the defense, the team will find the offense with Horvat, Nelson, and Barzal. Well, we talked about that before. Yeah, you know, we don't know. <laughs> we don't yeah. know the answer. How, how do you get um, it? We don't know why it's not happening. Yeah, it's it's, it's so confusing. And again, it's not the new guys. We talked about it. it it's you know Pulak right. making like, a mistake. Pelic. Romanov isn't the reason why the rest of the team can't no. play defense. And Dobson, you know? I mean, I think it was. It's actually not funny. But when we spoke to Lou this summer when they signed Dobson to his extension and, and Romanov, you know, someone asked. Lamro, you know, what more do you have to see? Or why maybe only a three-year deal? Mm. And he said, I had to see more from Dobson defensively. And everyone, you know, mm-hmm. brushed that off. But you're, you're looking at this year, and he's got to be better defensively right now. Not saying he's as, you know, struggles as much as a Sebastian Ajo and just only has offense in his game. But, you know, this is a guy that you're in, you know, he's been around. He's had great partners. We talked about it. Boychuk, Green, Char, to learn from defense. These guys are defensive defensemen, most of them. To learn from it, we just haven't seen him take that. He's taking that next step offensively, which is again the Islanders need that. You saw a team like the Lightning, where their whole back end scores goals. Mm-hmm. Just haven't seen seen enough. A little too soft in front of his own goal, and that's been a, a consistent issue this year for the Islanders. I think it just comes back to basics. And again, we talked about how the forwards have to help out more too mm-hmm. with getting back. But yeah, I think you're going to have to say, again. That's a great point that they have Horvat now. But to get back to that dynamic of a defense where you're shutting down every game. You're going to have to sacrifice your offense. You're going to have to have your forwards getting back a lot more. And again, I don't think that's right. that's doable for a full regular season. Well, and and the problem is they don't have a full regular season to figure it out. Yeah. Right? Like can they adjust now and try? Sure. And maybe maybe you get desperate and give it a whirl. And and maybe because like even Barry Tross was was interviewed recently and he, you know, he talked about the the different dynamic between coaching the Islanders and coaching a team like the Capitals, where they still played a defensive style of hockey, but he had Alexander Ovechkin yes, that's a game and changer. Nicholas Backstrom. Now, is Bo Horvat enough for this Lane Lambert team to say, okay, we can go back a little more defensively because we have a guy, a weapon now, who can help us on the offensive side of things? It's a little bit risky, but maybe that's something he looks at, and that's probably the only way it really happens. But again, like I don't even know if that's going to change 
whether or not these guys in front of the net are going to, you know, all of a sudden remember how to, you know, mark their assignments just because they're playing a more defensive system overall. Because it's not just marking players in front. That's a whole change in how, you, how they're handling the neutral zone, entries, exits, and all that. So I don't, I don't know what the, what the right answer is. The unfortunate part is it's just that for whatever reason they don't have this thing figured out and they don't they're, – they're, you know, they're basically being dismantled defensively every now and then. It's leading to the losses like this. And it's not skill either. Like, we know that, yeah. like, again, you don't just lose – like for Bovillier, you don't lose the ability to score. It's a mental thing a lot of times. We saw yeah. with Bo, I mean, he missed the net a lot on big chances or hit the goalie in the chest. It's like Pelican, Pulak, and Matefield and Romanov, wherever much they're struggling – these guys have done it before. They know what they have to do. They know what the plays that they're making. It's just not happening. And that's, I mean, thankfully for us, that's that's Lane's job to figure out. <laughs> yeah, he's the one that looks at the video and is in the room and knows understands right. what they're what they're going through. And you want them to ask questions. Hopefully, Romanov is asking a lot of questions and Bolduc and Aho. But at some point, it stems from just you know, if Pelican Pulak play lockdown, it usually trickles down. It's a trickle down effect. Right. And again, you're just not seeing everybody working together enough on the ice. Indeed. Ed, how many more you got, buddy? Uh, the chat has spoken. Uh, so unless you guys have That's something it. from uh, your, your platforms. Yeah, Stephen. I think Stephen yeah. might have had one yeah. or two from Twitter, a, and then we can wrap it up. We got actually a good amount. Of, let me find it quickly. But uh, 26 comments on questions. We're not going to get to all of them. Let me okay, see I'm sure they out. were all calm, cool, controlled <laughs> reactions and, and uh, logical. I'd like to point out Rangers Ed did predict the Brock Nelson goal for the okay. first goal. All right, all right, so I'm giving him that. I mean, obviously, he's a big Brock Nelson fan. So, again, we appreciate you hanging out he with us here. He said he only claimed the outcome, not the score, <laughs> which is a lie. We, we saw 3-2. Okay. I think he did. I, we'll have to roll back the tape, but I think I think he did. Yeah. But uh, either way, thanks for shoving that in our face when it's nice and yeah. fresh and we're still stewing over it. But we're, we're doing our best to put on our best face here uh, yeah. here on the show. So, Stefan, do you have a question lined yeah. up for us here? Okay. So, regal- uh, this is Mike MC Grip 16 Okay. Regardless of their position, they have to move Varley and Mayfield at the deadline to recoup high draft picks. Thoughts? Well, I guess he did not read my article because that or would he agrees his, with or he article. agrees with my article. Which <laughs> yeah. thank you, Mike. But uh, yeah, wrote the other day. I said, regardless of what happens, mm. playoff spot at the deadline, out of the playoffs, teetering, whatever, you got to sell your assets because the Islanders have given up pick after pick. Year after year, they, they lost the first for Romanov last year. They Well, I guess this, this past year's draft, they traded the first conditional for Horvat. You have two guys that will bring you back picks. Everyone's arguing with me or whatever it is. And again, I'm not, I'm, I don't pretend to know more than anyone else, but the way Varlamov is playing with teams like the LA Kings, Seattle Kraken, who desperately need goaltenders, they're in playoff spots. They need goaltending. Mm. For a year of Varlamov, you're getting a second. You could very well possibly get a first. Mm. Same thing for Mayfield. As much as he struggled, he's a player who blocks shots, plays in the penalty kill, has scored big goals, has playoff experience. You could probably get a first or a second for him, and what you do with those guys is, again, if the Islanders are in it or out, it doesn't matter. You could fill, find a way to fill a spot with Mayfield. You could trade a pick and then use that pick and go yeah. get a veteran defenseman or whatever you have to do. There's ways to go about replacing those guys if you're in a playoff spot, but if you're not, and these guys want to come back, sure, if you're going to lock them up and you think they're not going to walk and you have the confidence they're not going to walk, Sign them now or have something right away with the end of the season, and mm. that's fine. But if there is a question mark at either of those guys, not either agreeing to want to come back or the terms or whatever the case may be, you move them because, again, they're going to walk for nothing. And the Islanders are not in a situation with how old of a team they are. I know they have a lot of young talent. Just let guys walk for, even if you're getting a third or a second round pick, it's better than nothing, especially when you have no idea what you could flip those picks for. Like I just said, if you want to go get a veteran defenseman and you get a, a second or a third for Mayfield, whatever that case may be, and you want to flip a third for 
a depth defenseman that could fill in that Mayfield hole at a much cheaper price. To, to me, you have to do it. So I think definitely, I, I, again, I don't think Lou is going to move either of those guys. But if okay. I was Lou and I was looking at just logical, not from, again, no personal in the sure. room how they affect it, on, right. a, on a financial hockey cap situation, you would move those guys. Stefan, the logic and the reason is sound. Yep. Everything you just said makes a hell of a lot of sense. But And I know you know this already, but so long as the Islanders at least have a chance yeah. at making the playoffs, neither one of those guys are getting uh, Yeah, I agree. The only way, and I still, I said this to you during the watch, I still, the only way these guys get dealt is A, if they're out of it, but I still don't think they're going to get dealt because I think Lou certainly wants to bring Varlamov back and he's going to be back. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mayfield's brought back too. And if they're both going to be brought back, they're not going to well, be that, dealt. That's what I said. If they already agree, like if yeah. Lou would never say it, the players wouldn't say it until after the year, but... If one of those signs back after a year, they say, oh, yeah, we had this done mm-hmm. early. Because, again, too, Lou doesn't ever give out numbers or anything because right. he doesn't want other teams knowing his cap situation. If they, no, <laughs> Even though they just go to cap friendly. No, but I'm yeah. saying, though, if they have a deal in place yeah, with yeah, Mayfield already, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no one knows how much they're going to the have to play drawer. with. Yep, so yeah. I think it's possible they have deals done with both those guys already and they're not allowed to talk about it. I guarantee the Horvath deal wasn't done that morning that he got here. Mm-hmm. I would think before he even got traded, there was off-the-record conversations. Because, again, Lou wouldn't make that deal if he didn't think Horvat was re-signing. So. Yeah, I think at In least theory. there was confidence whether there was any backdoor stuff or just he, he read the room. He knew that he can get yeah. the deal done. But if that's it for questions brewing, then that's it. That is it. For the show. So cue up that exit. Mu- mes- <laughs> 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 you want to try that again? Stable shake. You want to try that again? Yes, Ed. Cue up the exit music, please. Hey. Thank you. We'll edit that in post. <laughs> all right, folks. I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers later on. A huge, huge thanks to NHL fantasy editor and host Anna Dua for joining us. Great spot from her. And a big, big thanks to our sponsors, starting with presenting sponsor Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check them out at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And once again, three viewing parties coming up at Lost Farmer this month. Come down, hang out with us. The Boston game on Saturday, and then two, uh, <laughs> the two Winnipeg Jet games. Wednesday, when they're home at UBS Arena, and then, of course, Sunday, Stefan will be with me that day. 3.30 start that day. We'll have a pregame show for you. So lots of fun going on at Lost Farm. There's going to be drink specials, food specials, raffles, giveaways, prizes. Lots of fun. Make sure you come hang out with us. And, of course, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Check them out at mainstboardgamecafe.com. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to Stefan Rosner. Stefan, where can we find you on Twitter and your great, great co- uh, coverage of the New York Islanders? Appreciate it. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Stefan underscore Rosner. That's S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R. And nyihockeynow.com That's right. Stefan's been doing a great job over there every day. Multiple pieces, multiple articles. Uh, Great coverage on Twitter, too, so definitely make sure you check Stefan out. That's why we brought him on the show, because he does such a fantastic job. And And uh, Christian was leaving. (laughs) Because Christian had to go. We had to bring somebody else in. You're the guy, buddy. Found me on the street. (laughs) You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Remember, if you love what we're doing here at Hockey Night New York, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. 
spread the word. And to Rangers Ed Podcast, once again, spending 12 hours with us today. <laughs> Hockey Night in New York. Hope you got something fun going on on Saturday. But, folks, always appreciate you tuning in today, this afternoon for the game. Today, this afternoon for the post-game show. We've been Hockey Night in New York. For Stefan, I'm Sean Cuthbert. Have a great rest of your weekend.